This week on The Business of Lifting Weights, we chat with Jordan Syatt, owner and founder of Syatt Fitness, to discuss how he was able to use the internet to build long-term relationships and generate a massive amount of online coaching clients. How's it going, guys? This is Dave Thomas. And this is Brian Pritz. And we are back with episode 28 of The Business of Lifting Weights. Today, we're very, very excited. We are joined by Jordan Syatt. What's up, Jordan? How's it going, guys? It's going very well. Um, Jordan, is are you, are you in New York right now? Yes, I'm currently in New York. Awesome. Um, so Jordan's hopping on with us today. Uh, we're very excited to get his input on kind of a wide variety of just a successful career in fitness, um, kind of mainly talking about the online space, how to grow your business, practices to kind of get yourself separated through the clutter how to get a representation of quality out there and kind of develop relationships with people when you're not there in person, which is obviously a huge challenge. Um, so Jordan, why don't you just give us the kind of bio about yourself, your background in fitness, where you're at now, and you can take as little or as long as you like. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I'll try and make it as brief as possible. So, um, if you don't know me, I, uh, I'm got started in this industry really young, a little bit younger than should have been allowed. I ended up getting my first personal training job when I was 14. Um, and yeah, so it was, I mean, it was great. It was honestly, it was with some incredible people. Um, so I sort of was thrust into the science based end of the industry at a very young age, people who were, um, very much into like, uh, Eric Cressy and like the RKC, uh, just like some really good, some good solid training. So I started getting into that when I was at a really young age um, and then from there, like I did that all through high school and then, um, after high school, took a year off, traveled for a year, went to Israel. When I got back from that, I, um, I went to college basically almost immediately. I was, I went and I was invited to train at Westside Barbell. Uh, then I interned at Crusty Sports Performance a couple months later. Um, and in that time frame between when I interned at Westside and when I interned at Cressy, um, I started my own online business, just basically like my own website, not really thinking it was a business, mostly just like, I'm going to write articles here. Mm -hmm. Um, and then throughout my time at college, I hated school, not like a, <laughs> a, a school guy at all. Where'd basically, you go to college? Uh, I went to college at the university of Delaware. Um, yeah. to be fair, I, I could have went anywhere and I probably would have hated it. I just was not a school guy. Mm -hmm. um, and basically all I did in college was not pay attention in class. I just focused on writing articles and building my online. Um, so by the time I ended up finishing school, I didn't really need to work for anybody else. It just was solely sufficient through my online business. Um, so then I ended up uh, moving to Israel because I just love Israel. And uh, I just was like chilling doing stuff, like doing my own online stuff, like got an apartment on the beach, was just doing whatever. Um, and then I ended up getting um, an incredible opportunity to uh, coach Gary Vaynerchuk, which is why I most recently moved to New York City and, uh, and am now Gary's coach. That's awesome, dude. Um, and for those of you that are listening, the, the online business and the website is syattfitness.com, S-Y-A-T-T fitness.com. Um, Jordan, that's really cool. You ha you obviously have experience at two extremely respected places with Eric Cressy, Cressy Performance, um, and Westside Barbell. Um, are there? What can you tell us? Like maybe one thing from each that you learned from being in those places that you're currently applying to your business. Oh man, um, shit. So I'll, I'll be honest. Like I didn't learn anything business related at, at Westside Barbell. Um, <laughs> There was nothing business related that I learned there. It was literally all just the best. It's just strength at Westside. Yeah. So like, but that's applicable and, to your business, obviously. Well, uh, for sure. I mean, most. I mean, the best business advice, or it, it wasn't business advice. The best thing that I did, like with Louis, or that I really learned from Louis, business wise, was as long as you're getting results, you're going to have clients, you're going to mm -hmm. have a, a great business. And Louis is like the least business-minded person ever. He's the nicest, kindest, most generous guy in the world. He doesn't care about making money. He really doesn't. Like he doesn't handle any of the business stuff for his his. He doesn't know how it works. He literally just wants to lift weights. <laughs> he's like in his seventies and he still deadlifts over seven hundred pounds. That's um, 
he, he's he's insane. So um, for I guess like for that it was mostly just like sure like as long as like you're 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 doing the right thing and like you're getting results you're gonna have a good business. Um, and then Cressy that was a whole separate thing. Like Cressy was um, you know he's a beast with the strength training with the fitness like like learned so much there about that. But then also he's a beast with business as well. Um, and one of the cool things about about interning under Cressy is that guy's an animal from the perspective of like he's up early he's training he's doing like he he's continuing up with his education but he's also just like his his productivity um in the last year year and a half or so it's definitely not been the same because he had kids but like i for anyone who's, who's watched Cressy over the years that guy put out so much content it's just outrageously insane so for me it was really cool to see the effect of content creation and and business advancement and not just for solely online i'm very good friends with pete dupuy the co-owner and the business side, manager side of like the entire crisis performance um operation and he, pete regularly tells me that the the effect of eric's online presence increasing their in-person business revenue um from a variety of different reasons so for me it was really cool to learn the uh, importance of content from Eric. Yeah, talk a little bit about that if you would. Um, I, I follow a lot of your content, um, and it seems, at least from my observation, that, that that looks like something that's been a focus of yours over the last few months. Um, can you talk just a little bit about content, its importance, and kind of what your strategy with it is? Yeah, sure. Well, so I mean, first, I, I don't know um, how long you guys have followed me, but like, I mean, this has been a Listen, I've had my website for over five and a half years now. I've been putting out content um, on my website. I have over 500 free articles on my website. So, like, that doesn't happen in a couple months, you know? Like, and I don't mean articles as in, like, a lot of people say, like, oh, yeah, I've written a ton of articles and they take them 45 minutes. Like, when I say an article, I mean they usually took about, like, 12 to 16 hours of work. Wow. Um, so, anywhere between it's, like, an article or, like, there's different types of, of content. The one that... I will always remember Eric talking to me about is what's called or he called quote unquote infotainment where um, basically like he would say the kind of articles that I used to write um, that, that I used to really focus on where he, he didn't like to do as much. The really, really long ones in between like 1,500 to 4,000 words, just like these massive pieces that go in depth, in depth, in depth, um, not necessarily like outrageously sciencey. Just like compl- just like massive in-depth articles that take you step by step through everything you need to know about a given topic. Um, so for him, infotainment was anywhere between like 250 to a thousand words or so, um, and basically like giving like really good insight on one specific topic and very practical information. So that was really for him what he would do with his blog. And if you go through his his entire blog, like that's just it's chock full of that stuff with intermittently some of those massive articles as well that just get, you know, they get so many views and so many shares because it just goes so, so, so in depth. And that stuff is really what I based my entire first three years off of is that really long form. Um, let me give everything I possibly know about a given topic mm-hmm. into this. So, like, I mean, like if you if you search West Side Bravo conjugate method my article is probably going to show up before West Side Barbells is mm-hmm. because I give so much of the actual content. I give so much legit information in there and make it really easy to understand. Um, if you search how to do a backflip, my article is the first one to come up. It's just like straight up like the most in-depth step-by-step. Like I, I'm not a gymnast. I just learned how to do a backflip mostly because I, I love deadlifting. And it's very it's actually surprisingly similar once you actually have a really good deadlift. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It's like for me, content has always been huge, not just over the past few months, but basically what's changed over the past few months is where I'm putting my content uh, and the frequency that I'm putting my content. For a long time, a lot of my content was on my website and my email list. In the past few months, because I'm with Gary, I've been focusing a lot more on social Mm -hmm. um, for a variety of different reasons. But by focusing more on social, I'm really trying to get more attention um, publicly as opposed to privately within my my uh, my email list. And two very different and both very important areas to put content out. Uh, but by having more attention on, on 
on social, you also get a little bit more leverage, which is something I'm trying to learn more about myself right now. Yeah, that. go ahead, Pritz. Uh, Jordan, with content creation, when you write an article, are you putting in a lot of research into what you're going to write about? Like, you know, are you familiar with long tail keywords? Are you, um, you know, familiar with keyword researching and finding what people are searching for? And then you write about that? Or are you just saying, you know, I'm going to, I know a shit ton about the deadlift. I'm going to teach about the deadlift. So that when I first started writing, and for the majority of my like writing career, if you want to call it that, I had no idea what Google SEO was. I didn't know like how any of that worked. It wasn't anything that I like purposefully did. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a lot of times, my articles would SEO really well just because like they had so many likes and so many shares, and like it was just very in depth, and they ended up SEOing very well. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> or just I happened to like follow some of the guidelines without even really knowing it. As I went later, um, I really started to focus on that stuff. And I would basically know what I wanted to write about. I would know like the actual topic that was important to me, but I would let the long tail keywords, I would let that type of like the search frequency, the competition sort of decide how I might frame the article. Yep. Um, and, and then I would be able to provide the same information within that frame. So for example, one of my articles that is actually does incredibly well for my business as a whole um, is the title is does calorie counting work um, and it like literally it it's an, one of the most in-depth pieces I think it's number five or six on Google if you type in does calorie counting work um, and it drives a ton of traffic to my site um, and it's just basically a really in-depth article discussing everything you need to know about calorie counting does it work why does it work like is it necessary? Just completely everything you need to know about it. And um, that is is an example of of an article that I specifically framed with the intention of of the long tail keyword and the Google SEO. Yeah, awesome. Do you typically find, Jordan, that the really longer stuff outperforms the shorter stuff? Um, It depends. And I was actually just having this conversation the other day with a colleague who also crushes it. and what we were what we were talking about was this is the really important distinction to make, and this is where most people fuck up when they only do one or the other. Is sorry if I can't swear, by the way. No, you're good. Um, so so basically, the short stuff, like my Instagram posts, uh, these short small bits of of like like the ultimate infotainment, like these really short pieces of content, those are great for grabbing attention for getting people's attention, for, for getting them to see your face, for brand awareness, maybe for getting someone to be like, to tag someone else, be like, oh my God, look at this. Um, just to get people aware of you and so that people get used to seeing your name and your face and your brand. It's, it's attention-based. The long-form stuff is trust-based. That's where people get to trust your brand. That's where the people who've already got your who like you have their attention they might not have read a 2000 word article from you but now that they have you have their attention and you've built up a little bit of trust over time you can be like hey here's this article on on uh on how to lose fat it's a step-by-step guide i think you're really gonna like it now they might actually take the time to read the 2000 words because you've got their attention and they're more willing to dive into it um and they both have different um different outcomes i think honestly I get more, I get more leads from my attention-based stuff. I get more leads from my Instagram. I get more leads from my like my Facebook posts. I get more leads from that. But I get more leads who convert from the people who actually take the time to read my long-form articles. So the number of leads might be higher for my like a quick attention-based stuff, but the percentage of leads who legit convert into clients or paying customers mm-hmm. are from the people who actually take the time to dig into my long form. Do you now do you think a lot of those people that view the quick hitting Instagram posts, do they kind of follow down that line and then, you know, you get their attention, then they're like, oh, I'll check this guy out. They'll read a longer post and then they convert. Is that kind of like the likely um, you know, flow through the system, if you will? Well yeah, so it's also I mean, I also have that set up. So like I have a million different email lists, but one of them, one of my main ones, if you sign up for it, you go through like a 
email autoresponse sequence that takes you through 53 of my best ever written articles, like the ones that I think are the like absolutely outrageously good, the ones that get the continuously the best response. Yep. So that means if they get, if I get their attention and they want to sign up for my email list and then they go through there, that means for about three months they're going to be inundated with 53 of my freaking best articles that like are just like got the best response out of like 500. Yep. So at that point, I'm sort of feeding it to them without necessarily hoping that they end up going there. It's like, hey, if you signed up, like, here you go. Now I'm just going to give it to you. And, you know, a 53 email response system is a lot. How often do you drop in a hook to try and get them to sign up? Uh, to sign up for the email list? Or to sign up for an online service. In, in that specific autoresponder, not once. Not once? Okay, so in it's that, just purely... That's purely trust building. That's purely like I want like that's me playing the long game. Okay. So that like they go through the whole thing and I'll get a lot of people that's a lot of unsubscribes because like that's a long autoresponse sequence where like at a certain point people are going to be like, listen, like that's just I like it's enough. Like it's enough. But I know for a fact that whoever makes it through that entire autoresponse sequence opening like damn near every single email odds are they're going to be a customer. Yeah. Jordan, so how did your, um, how did it come about that you're Gary Vaynerchuk's coach? What was that process like? Um, talk a little bit about that if you could, and really kind of what some of your biggest takeaways for you professionally have been since working with him. So, it's a crazy story, um, but basically, what I will say is this: um, I wouldn't have became his coach if it wasn't for my content prior. Um, the the only reason I was ever considered for the job is because of all the stuff that I had been putting out beforehand. So long, long, oh man, this is a long story, but I'm going to make it as short as possible. Yeah, go into is, it, man. Um, so basically, I was, um, do you know his old coach, Mike Vacanti? I, I, yeah, I don't know him personally, but I know who he is. So his old coach, Mike Vacanti, um, he's a good friend of mine, a really good friend. He actually like just texted me a couple minutes ago, but basically um, he he followed my work before he became Gary's coach. So before he ever him, he even met Gary, like there's comments from him on my website uh, from like 2012 or something like before he even started with Gary, just like in, in random articles. Um, so he knew who I was. Um, and basically at one point in time, about, about eight months before – Gary ever or before like they were started looking for a new coach Mike actually reached out to me because uh, I was I was in Boston at the time and and Mike was like hey man like if you want to meet up that would be great so we ended up meeting for coffee we spoke about business for like three hours straight got along really well um, and we stayed in contact after that but not like buddy buddy like not like talking all the time just like occasionally here and there um, and then like six months later, they announced that Gary was looking for a new coach, and I, I like wasn't really like sure if I was going to apply. I wasn't really like uh, I, was, I didn't know if I was going to do it, but I ended up uh, I ended up applying, and basically I just I didn't think I was going to get it. I had I did not think that was going to be something that I was going to get. Like tons of coaches applying, so mm -hmm. so so many. Um, I did I didn't I was more like yeah screw it I'll throw my I'll throw my name in the pile. Um, so then I was I was in Israel and like about three months went by before I heard anything and I I forgot about it I legit forgot about it I was just like oh yeah he probably like announced who his next coach is and I just missed it or something I didn't think about it and then Mike was he uh, messaged me one day he's like hey are you still interested um, I was like yeah and he was like okay cool so we need you to come coach Gary for an hour <laughs> or you know he's like we need to have an interview with Gary and I was like okay cool let's do it over Skype he was like no 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 like you need to do it in person. I was like, so this is in March. And you're, like, you and you're in Israel? And I'm in Tel Aviv. Yep. <laughs> and basically, and, and, he, and I, was, I was like, okay, cool. Let's do it in June because I'm coming back to the States for a wedding anyway. And, he, and Mike was like, no, no, no. We got to do it this week. And, uh, <laughs> and like, keep in mind, I had just got my mom her first ever trip to Israel. She was like, on her way, like she was coming in like five days. Oh my to, god! Dude, what time. are the chances of that? It was insane, and and then also not to mention like it, 
especially in Israel of all places, it looks really weird, especially if you're not a citizen, to leave and come back very quickly yeah, to go yeah. in and out of border. It's like it's very – it's not a good look. Yeah. Um, so I was nervous as shit because there was a very strong possibility that I would leave and then try and come back and they'd be like, we're not going to let you back in the country. And then my mom would be there and I'd be like, sorry. <laughs> like, uh, so I didn't tell anybody. Like I left. I had a roommate at that time because um, like my apartment in Israel, like it was very temporary and uh, I basically just Airbnb'd it. But I just told him that he, he thought I was just staying at a girl's place for like the night or something. But I left Israel and flew to New York coached Gary and flew back within 36 hours. Um, and fortunately they let me back in and, um, I didn't tell anybody. No one knew. My mom came a couple of days later. She, like she didn't know who Gary was. I, she, I didn't tell her about this whole thing happening. Literally just out of sight, out of mind, didn't say a word. Um, and basically I went to, I did that in what was it? March. It was in March. Either late February or early, oh no, it was late February that all this happened. So then it, Mike was like, like, I'll let you know by the end of March. So all of March goes by and then April 1st comes and I didn't hear anything. Um, so I, I'm like, hey Mike, you know, just, I'm assuming I didn't get it, but just want to check. And Mike was like, oh, I'll let you know within five days. So five days goes by, nothing. Mike messages me. He's, he's like, hey man, just want to let you know. I'll let you know in 48 hours. Um, so now I'm freaking out. Like all, all I'm thinking about, did I get it? Did I get it? Did I get it? And what I ended up doing was um, I went to my email list or one of my email lists, my main one, which at that time, it's grown a lot since then. At that time, there was a little over 11,000 people on it. And I was like, uh, hey, guys, I need a huge favor. Um, I need you to go to Gary Vaynerchuk's Facebook wall and tell him why I should be his coach. That's, that's um, brilliant. Yeah, that's really cool. And, I cannot take credit for that strategy because uh, basically John Romanello, his first, first, first coach ever, did the same thing on Twitter like a, a long, a long time ago, and I just took that strategy and uh, and had it go to his Facebook wall, and it was flooded, man. Like yeah. I just completely flooded his Facebook wall. Um, people were going nuts, and it was the most incredible thing to see. I was beyond grateful. Just the most outrageous, incredible, nice notes from people who I've never met, in the, who I've never met. Um, so I stayed up all night responding to every single one, saying thank you so much. Um, and then two days goes by, I don't hear <clears throat> anything from Gary, and I'm like, shit, I'm an idiot. He thinks I'm a cocky asshole. I didn't get it. <laughs> blah blah. blah. <laughs> and like, and like, ended up four four days goes by, and finally Mike calls me and and tells me I got the job and and within like a week and a half I, I packed up all my stuff and moved back moved to the states and found a spot in New York. Dude, that is an awesome story. Wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um do you think like you said you would have never gotten that job without content? Are you saying that is a roundabout way because you were able to develop 11,000 followers through content that helped you out or was there a specific piece of content that like Gary of yours had seen that he trusted you over? Well, think about this. The only reason Mike ever reached out to me is because he followed my stuff and he knew who I was. Gotcha. Mike didn't even reach out to me because he was going to be leaving Gary. He just reached out because like he knew who I was. He like liked my work. He like thought I worked hard, and that was that. And then we developed a really close relationship so that out of all of the however many hundreds or thousands of people were applying for the job – I was the one who actually had a really good relationship with Mike. Mm -hmm. And like Mike wasn't just about to let anybody across the internet all of a sudden coach Gary. He wanted to, someone who he knew. Right. Um, and then even more importantly, or not more importantly, but equally important, one of the main reasons Mike wanted me to have the job is because I interned at Cressy Performance. So, and actually in the whole way I ended up getting my internship. So, so basically that means Mike... Mike wanted me there. Are you guys still there? Yeah, yep. we're here. Awesome. So um, Mike, one of the main reasons was I interned at Cressy Performance. So what that tells me is if we're really breaking this down is the fact that I interned at Cressy Performance was a major reason. So now I have to think, okay, so how did I get the internship at Cressy Performance? Well, I was 21 years old, 20 or 21 years old. Um, and as do you guys know, it's like an insanely competitive uh, internship to get. Right. Right. So like I'm I'm as far as I'm concerned I'm the youngest person ever to get this internship but what happened was 
the only reason I got the internship at Cressy Performance is because I was putting out content every day, five days a week. Uh, I'm sorry, seven days a week um, in like various formats. But like a lot of it was specifically done on purpose to put myself in front of people like Eric and Mike Robertson and um, Joel Jamieson and uh, Mike Reinold, a lot of people who I respected. And I put it out constantly, like always in front of their face. So by the time that I emailed Eric and said, hey, like I, I know this is insanely competitive, um, but like I would, I would really love the opportunity to intern with you. I didn't even have to do the intern application. I didn't write an essay. I didn't have the Skype interview. Literally, Eric just responded and said, cool. Like, well, come on in. <laughs> yeah. So th- literally, I had a very unconventional internship from the perspective of I didn't have to go through the usual internship process. I walked right in. They threw me in. And one of the main reasons Eric trusted me is because of my content and also because he knew that I interned at Westside Barbell four months before. And then you could have to go through the whole process of, well, how did you get that internship? Right. So all of those opportunities happened because of content. Right. Wow. Now, is there – I hate to make you like pick one or the other, but would you say that frequency is – like how do, you, how do you manage frequency versus quality? You said you put out content seven days a week. Um were you just able to come up with stuff that you could produce that high level of quality that often, or are you kind of fo- are you kind of forcing it at times? I'm never forcing it. I'm never forcing content, but I am sometimes like forcing myself to put a shit ton of effort into it. I right. think that's the ma- that's that's the big thing. Is everyone wants it to be like, well, like how do you come up with so much content? It's hard. Yeah, it's fucking hard. Yeah, right. Like it's really hard. Like God forbid you sit down for thirty minutes to write an Instagram post that like actually gives value than like just taking a selfie and being like, Hey, look at me. Mm-hmm. Like I look at most people, my Instagram, first of all, I, I'm like terrible with social media and I hate it. Like I hate <laughs> it. Like I hate social media. If I didn't have a business, I wouldn't use it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it because it's helped grow my business rapidly. Um, and <clears throat> everything I do on social media is like for business purposes. It's like, that's why I'm there. Um, and so a lot, so for example, like I never focused on my Instagram, like it just wasn't important to me. It wasn't something that I ever thought about everything I had done up to the, to like this point was all Facebook based and email based and website based. Um, and even my Facebook wasn't even that big. It was just like, I had built a really strong community within my Facebook and then Gary about six weeks ago was like, you really need to focus on your Facebook, on your Instagram. Like Basically, he was like, I want you to post on there three times a day, like every yeah, day. Damn. Um, and I remember I was like, shit, man, I don't know how I'm going to do that. But like basically, he was like, you have to do it like every single day. And and no joke, in the last six weeks, I've increased my Instagram followers over 3,000 mm-hmm. um, or, organically. I don't run any ads on there. I've run over 3,000 in the last six weeks um, just because I've been putting out content more frequently. But also, my content's really fucking good. Um, and you bet that sometimes I'll sit down for 30 to 45 minutes just to come up with a really good Instagram post. Right. Um, I think most people don't want to put in the work and that's what it comes down to is they're like, Oh man, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to say or they aren't prepared. They, they just like, they assume actually, you know what actually really pisses me off? Um, most people think that they can write articles and, and it could be done in 45 minutes like that's what an article takes. It really pisses me off, and it's like usually like a blog post about their life. It's like so today I had the tuna and the salmon and this, <laughs> and like I was really upset, blah blah blah. And like men and women, like like a lot, they just think they can, they can be very lazy with it, and it doesn't take a lot of time. And um, then they're like emailing me, like, dude, I don't get why like no one, like I'm not getting any online clients. And I'm like, well, let me see this article. And they, they send me their article, and it's littered with spelling errors. It's littered with grammar errors. There's no practical information. It's literally just like a word vomit of whatever. I'm like, what is the point of this article? Like, what do they get at the end of it? And they don't even know. And they people don't want to put in the work that it takes. So, like, that's it, that's what it all boils down to. Like, it, yeah, it's like it takes a ton of time and effort, but as long as you're willing to put it in, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, so what do you, like you said, your Instagram content's been really good and you've got a huge boost in followers. What's your strategy on there? Um, my strategy on Instagram, honestly, like it's just be relevant and help people. That's like literally, that's my, that's my strategy. A hundred percent of the time is help people. 
um, whenever I would write an article, the main purpose of the article in my head, the main goal of it was I had to know that by the end of the time when someone finished the article, that there was I had to be able to physically point out one thing that the reader would be able to take from that article and immediately use to get better that day. Like one thing that they could immediately take from that article. And not, not just theory, I mean legit. What can they physically do to be better because of that article? Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what I take with all of my Instagram stuff, all of my Facebook stuff. Like what can they physically do? Um, so, I mean, if you look through my Instagram, a lot of it is exercise videos. Mm-hmm. But um, – I take my exercise videos a step further than most people and most people are like, hey, here's a cool exercise, give it a shot and that's it. But I'm gonna be like, step by step, here's how you do your technique, here's like common mistakes, here's how you fix them, here's when you do it in your workout at the beginning or the tail end, here's how many sets, here's how many reps, here's how it should feel. Um, and, And like I give full on just like straight up, this is like, even if you know nothing about working out, you'll know you do this exercise, like right at the beginning of your workout, um, and you should feel it in these muscles and you should watch out for your lower back arching and whatever. Like mm-hmm. basically like you should, these are, they know ex- they're an expert in that exercise by the time I'm done. And it, that helps a lot of people. This is straight up very practical. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also, I'm also really big on being the person that people go to, to feel good. Like that comes across. a lot of people. Th- <laughs> thanks man. Like basically a lot of people just they use social media as an outlet to complain. They use social media as their their outlet to be negative to whatever. And for me, it's like, it's like, do, do you know how powerful it is to be the person or the brand that people go to because they want to feel good? Like, do you know how powerful it is to be able to have the, have the the name recognition that as soon as your name pops up on Instagram or Facebook or they get an email in their inbox, they literally get a, a, a serotonin release of happiness because they know there's going to be positivity in that post. Yeah. That's like, that's an addictive drug. And like, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me why, why people continuously complain and put out negativity and don't take advantage of the power of being able to make people feel good, being a positive influence in the world. Because when you put that out, it sounds cliche. When you put that out, you'll get that back tenfold. Yep. And it's it's just like you choose what you – like that's what people you get on social media. You can choose what you put out. And I'm not, not saying to not be authentic. Like I straight up tell people I, I have insecurities. I tell people like I'm not confident all the time. I tell people like what I'm scared about, what I struggle with. But there's always the – like the truth involved and there's always like a way to turn it into a positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of my clients will, I literally just had a client email the other day being like, I feel like whatever I could tell, whatever I tell you, no matter how bad it is, you're going to spin it into a positive. I was like, you're right. I'm a hundred percent going to do that. Cause what the fuck is the point of looking at the negative? Yeah. Right? Like, w- are we going to complain about it? No one cares. Let's keep going. Look <laughs> at the positive. Um, and like, that's basically it. So, so for, to be able to have that ability to influence people like for me i put out an instagram post last night it was so far my best performing one which realistically like i, I don't even have ten thousand followers yet i'm like just under ten thousand but um like my three months ago i was getting like maybe like anywhere between 100 to 150 likes now i'm getting like 600 plus likes on these posts i put out a post that was basically like a funny post about coffee but for me it's more than just a funny post about coffee it's an, it's the 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 ability for people to go through their Instagram feed, look at something I posted and just, and, and laugh mm-hmm. and feel good. Like, like from a lot of coaches talk about fitness being more than just working out and nutrition, but they don't actually practice it. For me, if I can get someone to look at my Instagram post and laugh and feel good, that's good. That's like a healthier part of their day. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, that's what I want to do. Perhaps this is an expansion of what you've already said, but you know, I, I, I love that story about how you got your email list to kind of help you out with getting hired by Gary V. Um, you talk about being the place where people feel good. Um, wh- what has been, if you could pinpoint it, the reason for your success in that space, you know, of, of just very general, quote, online? It's very hard, you know, to kind of back that up. It's a very hard space to develop relationships with people because you're not you're not there with them in person. So, what have you done specifically to be able to create that kind of loyalty through an email? With, so, how have I 
I just want to clarify. So how have I been successful within like my email world, like within like with it, with my business essentially is that what you're asking? Just building connections, human connections through a virtual space. Got it. Um, it, well, first of all, um, most of it comes from being like just authentic and not lying. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing my mom taught me as a kid is a liar will always forget what they said. Like people, when someone tells a lie, like they might say something two weeks later and you'll be like, hold on, but you said something else. Like, mm-hmm. and like, you'll know they're yeah. lying and they're like, oh shit. No. Like liars always forget what they're saying because like they just, they're not thinking about their lies all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're lying about who you are online, you're going to say some shit that doesn't sound right. You're going to like present yourself point. in a way that is like very um, misconstrued. People aren't like you're not going to build a following of people who trust you because like you're constantly going back and forth. Like one day you're like all like positive gung ho. Next day you're negative. One day you're hating on this person. One day you're like whatever it is. For me, I honestly think people I've built I've been able to build a really strong following and, and loyal following because I, I'm I'm never hiding anything. I'm never lying. I'm never trying to make up a story about who I am or what I've done. It's the same story over and over and over again. They know who I am. They know what they get. So a lot of people hate me, and those people unsubscribe and they never talk to me again. But the people who love me love me, and I they just get me over and over and over again. And what's also really cool is I have I've have one client. Uh, her name is Amy. She's been my personal client for a little bit over a year now, but she's followed me since I think legit day eight of when I started my website. Like her, her brother somehow found my Facebook and website and um, and then shared it with her and she's been following me. And she said the other day, she lives in Belgium, by the way. So she said the other day, like, it was really cool. Like, I just want to let you know, I've followed a ton of people in the fitness industry over the years and you're the only one who I just consistently stick with. And she says, what I love is the fact that we get to watch you grow and be a part of your growth this entire time. Um, and like my, my journey thus far is just like every, every, every week, every month I'm growing, I'm changing, but I'm still me and I'm very true to that. And I'll be very open and honest with the, with the thoughts I'm having, the feelings I'm having. Um, and this is going to be like a little bit more, um, like technical, I guess, not technical, but a lot of times people will, will, even if we got on this podcast, right, if we got on this podcast and you guys were talking like, Hey everyone, Hey, how's it going? Or like if someone's writing an article, be like, Hey everyone, I know you guys are all wondering what I've been up to or they're writing an email. It's like, Hey, what's up guys? It's like, for me, I always speak to the individual. So when I write an email, I'm like, Hey, how's it going? Like, I like, maybe like you were wondering if I was doing this, like, what are you up to hit reply and let me know. Mm -hmm. Like I'm talking to the one person. I'm not talking to the group because everyone is reading or listening or watching alone. They're not doing it in a group. They're not like all, all of them are sitting together. Like what's he up to? They're alone in the (laughs) office, in the home, in their car. And I honestly think changing the frame from speaking to a group of people to the one person helps you build a closer relationship and it also helps make it easier to be more open and honest because now you're not trying to impress a crowd. You're just having a conversation with one person. Yeah, that's good. Excellent point. That's a good piece of advice. Um, if you had to go back and do anything differently so far in your career, um, is there, is there anything that jumps out to you? Um, if I had to do anything different in my career, any, any mistake that you might've made along the way that kind of like still just jumps out at you? Um, <laughs> well, I know what Mike Vacanti would tell me was my biggest mistake. Um, <laughs> this is like, so like not even on point to what you guys are asking, but basically Mike, one of Mike's biggest jumps in the industry was, um, he, he jumped onto photocracy group training. He was one of the first people to do it. Um, and like his business, like it got a major boost from it because it was one of the first, first guys on there. Actually, there's going to be a good lesson in this. So like, I'll, I'll take it. I'll keep going with it. He's one of the first guys on there, um, to jump on the photography group coaching, got a lot of clients on there, like hundreds and hundreds of clients who ended up like then like staying with him forever, becoming long-term customers. And he asked me, he was like, Hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, no, no, no. Like, I just want to do my own thing, Mm -hmm. which is great. Like, I think I still think that was a good decision. I think I could have benefited from also doing that, but um, 
missed out on being able to help and work with a ton of people because I was very much focused on like just my thing. Like, no, no, I don't want to mess with anyone else. I just want to do my thing. And I'm still very much like that. I'm not a big fan of, of mixing my business with another business. Like I just want to keep my business, my business. Mm -hmm. I don't want to rely on another business for my business. Like that's just how I am. Um, but the lesson here being, and this is something Gary talks about a lot is if you can be one of the first influencers on a, on a platform, you have a tremendous amount of power, which is why like, Gary was one of like the biggest people on YouTube because he was one of the first people to really jump on YouTube and he was able to build Wine Library as a major influencer um, on that. And then like basically lesson being, don't just immediately push out, say no to something or an opportunity, especially in like an up and coming um, platform that has already shown to have a decent number of people. Because if you're one of the first, like if you're like the, in an expert role in there, you're you have the opportunity to assume that role, then you can, honestly, it can be the complete jumpstart to your career. It's like really, mm -hmm. it's incredible. That's got to be tough though, because when something's unknown, you you got to kind of be wondering like, am I going to waste my time with this? Yeah, and there's there's probably a lot more things that could waste your time than things that could actually really benefit you, um, which is why like. Personally, I don't really regret that decision. Like, mm -hmm. I don't regret. Like, Mike, Mike makes fun of me sometimes. He's like, "Man, you should have done that. You screwed up." And like, <laughs> we just joke about it. Um, but like, I'm. That's just me. And for example, this is something I think that is going to be very relevant um, to people who are like trying to build their own online coaching business and aren't really sure what to do. Is this is exactly why I never, ever, ever, ever have never, will never, would never sign on with a, an online personal training company like. Hey, like bring all your clients onto our platform and like you will give you all the workout templates and like we'll give you all like you can check in with them on this platform and like you can track their data here and blah, 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 blah. Um, and like you only pay us like 10% of whatever they pay you to like be able to host them here. Um, I don't do that ever and I would never. Number one, because like my entire online coaching model is based on Microsoft Word and Gmail. That's mm -hmm. it. Like, why would I then give someone else like the money that I'm like working, getting from working with clients? Uh, and number two is all the coaches who are basing their entire coaching model off of the off of someone else's platform. They are that they are literally putting their business in the hands of another business. And if that business fails, what happens now right. they're left without systems they're left without the opportunity like they're gonna have to scramble i would much rather take a couple of hours to build out templates and systems that like work for you and your business just on your computer rather than having to host it on another website for sure um jordan one of the things you talk about on your website uh syatfitness.com is how you're now working with coaches to help them become better coaches and not just personal training clients what are some of the things that you try to impart to people that are consistent across most all of your clients, coaching clients? Um, say that one more time. Just like I want to make sure I understand it fully. So on the website, <clears throat> excuse me, you talk about kind of how, how you now help coaches become better coaches as a, as a service that you offer. Um, what are some of the things that you kind of consistently find yourself helping most of those coaches who come to you and want to be better? Got it. Okay, so most of them come to me um, looking to start an online business. That's like most coaches will come to me. Um, they aren't coming to me being like, hey, I want to like legit be a better coach. They're like, hey, I want to make more money online. Like I want to have an online coaching business. Um, and I, I don't know if you guys caught this, but when you guys were asking me about how I started my business and like sort of my rise up to where I am thus far – is when I first started my business, I didn't expect it to make any money. It was literally just me writing articles. Right. Um, I didn't get into the online world to make money. That w that wasn't my goal. And this is gonna sound like very like uh, like hippy dippy or very like bullshitty. I'm not lying. I was 19 years old and never thought I could make a legit income from online from writing articles, I literally saw Eric Cressy and Dan John and Jim Wendler and Mike Robertson putting out incredible content. And I was like, I want to be like those dudes. And I just started writing articles about what I was learning at Westside, what I was learning at Cressy and like with my sole intention of helping people. And over time, 
people started to reach out and I started to build a business because people were like, hey, can you write me programs? Hey, can you help out? And then I started charging for it. Um, but my my intention was to never was never to make money because that wasn't in my mind. And most coaches now are really screwing up the online game, are really getting discouraged because they're doing it for like two weeks. They're like, what the fuck? I don't have any online coaching clients yet. And I'm, I'm like, first of all, like you haven't earned the right to get online coaching clients yet. Like you put out like half an article that has 17 <laughs> spelling errors. Like it, it's just not, you haven't earned it. And it basically here, here's the way that I relate everything to coaches, like to fit, like to fitness coaches who want to improve their business. I relate it to fitness. So they come to me and they're like, what's going on? Like, you know, I've been at this for like three months now and I've been writing every week and posting, and then I'm like, number one, like, all right, really, like, if I really go through your social, I really go through your website, how consistent have you really been? And it turns out it's usually between, like, 30 to 60%, mm -hmm. like, 60 being very high end. Most people are not being legit consistent. Um, and number two, I'm like, well, let's say you had a client come up to you and say, like, they've been, like, 30 to 60%. Let's say I had a client who's 80% consistent for three months. Should they have, like, reached their goal now? Should they be deadlifting 500 pounds? On a <laughs> I, was, pack? I was just going to say that as an analogy. Or like that's that's the analogy you use all the time. They're like, no. I'm like, okay, so why in the fuck should you have a successful business by now? And like, I'm like, should should your client who's like 60% consistent after two years of training should they have a six pack into the 500 pounds? No. Okay, so you better be in this for the long haul and get ready to understand that you're not going to be doing much for two years, three years. Like you're going to be putting a lot of work, and that's why most people quit and don't have successful online businesses because. They, they just don't have the grit. They don't have the wherewithal. They don't have the foresight to really be like, you know what? I'm going to, like, as Gary says, eat shit for the next two years mm -hmm. um, and then and reap the benefits afterwards. They, they don't have that. They want instant gratification, which is funny because they're the same people who are like, oh, man, all these people just want the quick fix. They just want that quick pill for, like, <laughs> massive success for their fitness. And it's like you guys are doing the same shit for business. So right. Shut up. Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a great point. Um, so Jordan, let me ask you, like, I'll use myself as an example. Um, I try like really hard to be active on social media and particularly Instagram. Uh, but I'll be completely honest with you. Like I really struggle with posting stuff sometimes because I'm like, nobody's going to give a shit about this. Like as far as like a personal thing about me or something like that, what's something that like I can do. And then probably speaking for a lot of other people to kind of get over the hump and just like start posting and being engaging and relevant more. Well, first of all, like, what type, what type of stuff are you concerned? Like, you mean like if you're gonna post something personal about you, you're like they're not gonna care. Just like in general, you know, like you said, Gary told you to post three times a day. Um, do you struggle to to come up with that content that is relevant enough, that is engaging enough? Like, how, how do you how do you, how do you tackle that? Um, yo, what's your Instagram handle? I'm gonna go look right now. Oh, great. This is going to be fun. Uh, it's at Virginia Dave. Virginia Dave? Yeah. This is the second time the person we've interviewed <laughs> has redirected this shit on me. We interviewed John We interviewed John Romanello last week, and he like it – was, it was a mind-blowing experience. Yeah, he's the man, dude. He's – oh, here we go. Found it. Awesome. Yeah, John, John is a major reason I got the gig with Gary too. John, like, that's like, I, this story could have been so much longer. John is an incredible mentor of mine. Like, I've been really good friends with him for a while. And, like, it, a lot of it has to do with, like, him being the, him being a major component into why I got the gig with Gary. But let's see. So, um, yeah, so number one, you're not posting nearly frequently enough. Um, but let's see. Um, let me look. I'm looking so you have a book. All right, so for, let me let me let's take as an example. Number one, like you're being straight up lazy with it, but like I'll give you an example. And like, listen, like I think you're the man, but like I'll be honest with you too. Just like I'm honest with my clients, like, hey, like you're fucking, like you're not counting your macros. You're being fucking lazy. Like either if you don't want to do this, like don't do it. But like if you're not counting your macros, you're listen. Here's the way I put it: is you're not eating your vegetables. You can tell your clients all day, like, listen, if you want to lose weight, gotta eat your veggies. And I'm like, but I don't like eating my veggies. Like, doesn't fucking matter. Gotta eat your veggies. Right. It's like. Bro, you got to eat your fucking social media veggies. So, for example, you put up two days ago uh, an ice cream and wrote, treat yourself. <laughs> right? and it's like, that's great, but you missed a massive opportunity to be to talk about 
why you can treat yourself and be like, hey, listen, I'm eating this right now, but 90% of the time I don't. Or like, be like, maybe you do. Be like, listen, like, I'm able to eat this more frequently now, but when I first started, and like, if I'm trying to get shredded, you better believe I'm not. Or like, you also understand, like, this is fitting into it. Like, you missed a massive opportunity to educate people on what and why and how. And like, that literally all you had to do is spend 15 minutes writing. I don't know. You could even done it in 30 seconds if you wanted to, if you like wanted to sort of burn through it. But like you, a couple extra minutes, a little bit of extra effort into explaining that could have been very helpful for people. Um, let's see. So you like, think okay, just cool. kind of, yeah, on, sorry, go ahead. On January 27th, you posted a picture of dumbbells and a kettlebell <laughs> and wrote swing squats and trots kissed. Like, <laughs> first of all, the fuck does that mean <laughs> second of all it's like why didn't you take a short video of the workout that you did and posted that up and be like hey i did this in seven minutes give it a shot here's what you do here are the exercises if you have any questions let me know yeah like the reason people aren't going to care about what you're doing is because bluntly candidly the way you're posting you don't care about them yeah i see what you're saying jordan to defend <clears throat> excuse me to defend dave if you look at our uh gym Instagram, I think he hits home on a lot of the things that you talk about. Well, yeah, I guess that's no. I, I understand what you're saying. I I think like from a perspective, and I don't want to you know hijack this into like how can I do better social <laughs> media, but you know I think it's relevant for a lot of people, which is why I kind of like put myself out there with it. Um, you know, would you say that it just boils down to I mean, kind of expanding on what you're doing more and just developing relatability with people? Yeah, so so the way Gary would phrase it, he and this is what Gary is like very famous for saying in the past like I don't know year or so is document, don't create. Um, basically saying like document what you're doing, document your life, mm -hmm. document your choices, document like everything you're doing. Don't necessarily focus on creating content. Don't sit there being like, oh my god, what should I post? What should I? like if you're gonna like coach a client on whatever. Like maybe film a set of the client stuff. If you're gonna work out yourself, maybe like take a note of what you're doing and why you're doing it. If you're gonna eat something, take a note of it. If like whatever, like document your life and take snapshots of it and use it as ways as teaching tools, as relatability tools, as like an, a way to to connect with people. Um, and it sort of treat treat every post like a conversation. And like let's say we got on the phone and I was like I was like yo. What'd you do for your workout? And you're like swings, shots, and whatever, kiss. Like you just said that to me, and that was it. And I was like, oh, okay. But like, what if then you were like, well, listen. So I did like first I did this, then I did this, then I did this because I was trying to get this. It's like, well, now it's a real conversation, and like we can actually like, discuss it. So like, treat your post as though like you're actually discussing with someone, and use it as an opportunity to help them. Love it. Um, okay, so we've almost got you about an hour here, Jordan, and we want we want to we want to let you go here. But we do a little thing with people at the end where we ask them four questions off the top of your head, um, kind of putting you on the spot a bit. First one of these: you can have a drink with anybody in history. Who is it, and what drink do you buy them? Fuck, I hate these questions. But uh, <laughs> if I can have a drink with anyone in history, uh, I, honestly, I'm just gonna go with. Um, with Abraham Lincoln because I think he was he was a beast. Um, I'll go Abraham Lincoln. I'm gonna get him whiskey. Awesome. Uh, what's the most embarrassing thing that has ever happened to you? Oh man, the most embarrassing thing. Um, first thing that comes to mind is when I was at like I don't know, I'm six or seven years old. This is totally not the most embarrassing thing, but like we'll just say it was because it was like 100% embarrassing. Is I was in elementary school. Uh, exiting the school like it was the end of the day and I'm walking with my buddy behind me is my crush Carly Shortell I'm walking with my buddy Chris and like we're walking down the hallway to exit the building and like I'm looking at Chris and just talking to him and laughing and like being more loud and boisterous than I should be just to get Carly's attention and uh, and we're walking and then I'm like looking at Chris to my right and then as I turn to straight forward like there's there's a door, like a door on the left, door on the right, and then the divider in the middle, and I just fucking walk straight into the divider and chip a tooth, <laughs> like, like right in front of Carly, and then like I it, fuck it hurt, and I was like, you can't play this off as cool. It was it was awful. 
Oh, that's 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 a good one. Um, do you still have that chip in your tooth? No, 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 no I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is something that deep down secretly kind of annoys you about the fitness industry that you see too much of? Complaining, 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 complaining. All like these fitness professionals who are complaining about other fitness professionals are complaining. Even fitness professionals who are complaining about like, oh my god, all these detoxes and body wraps and cleanses—they're so stupid. And like, that's all they do is like, then they go on their social media and they're like, you—if you're looking for the quick fix, you should stop because this doesn't this doesn't even work. And it's like, okay, so who the fuck is going in the store being like, hey, I'd like the quick fix, please? Could you have the quick fix? Like, they are they're complaining. And they're not even relating or helping anybody because all they're doing is just complaining. Whereas if they took that energy and put it into something positive, it's like, hey, listen, so I know you're seeing a lot of these diets and cleanses and toxic, detoxes, whatever. Like, and I get it. This is what they're telling you. And this is why it hits home with you. But what I want to make sure you understand is X, Y, and Z. It's like, wow, if you just changed your frame from I'm going to complain to like, I'm going to address this like an adult and like actually help them, you, you would help more people. So just reframe kind of the voice in which you address it. Yeah. Like honestly, there's – imagine if – these are the same people who who like coach a client and then go into the office after coaching the client and like complain. They're like, like, oh my god. All she did was complain the entire time about how hard every exercise was, about everything we're doing, about how hard it is for to hit the nutrition. And then meanwhile, this same person is doing the exact same shit going on social media, and com- all they do is complain. It's a never-ending cycle. It's like if you're gonna if you're gonna not want someone to complain about what they're doing, then you better realistically look at how you're acting. And here's the funny thing: as I guarantee, there are gonna be people listening to this being like, "Yes, I get it, a hundred percent." Like no more. Com- I like. I hate it when people complain. And then within forty-eight hours, they're going to go on social media and complain. I know because I've seen this over and over and over again. Where I've written Facebook statuses about like how stupid it is, about how like people need to like be like like Facebook statuses like really just being like, listen, like this is what you need to do if you really want to make an impact. And people are like, yes, hate when people complain. And then I see legit people who liked and commented and were shared it. And then they see them complaining like a couple hours later. So it's like <laughs> it, it, if you really want to like understand this and look at yourself objectively like you need to really step outside of yourself and look at your actions not from your own eyes but from someone else and see like odds are like you're probably complaining yeah yeah i think that that's a that's a very good point um definitely something that i find myself doing a, a fairly fairly often um all right last but not least who is somebody that you admire in fitness that might not know it who do I admire, but they don't know it? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, that's a really good question. This is like a, this is like a secret Valentine. Yeah, um, <laughs> fitness crush. Fitness crush. Who do I admire? Um, man, that's a really. I want to like. I want to take a second to think about this because sure. like this is going to be important. Um, let's see. Let's see. I'm. Just, Part of me is like trying to think of like like pull out someone who isn't like massive yet, but is on the up and up because I, I want to like get like get someone's name out there who might not be as big yet. Um, um, trying to think who puts out phenomenal content on a consistent basis. Um, let me think. There, there's one dude. There's one dude, and I've like I honestly I've had very limited interaction with him. Um, I don't know him as a person at all. I all I like know is, is from what I see on his uh, on his uh, social media and like what the content he produces, uh, and I don't even know if he's going to hear this. Uh, and I'm not going to go on social media and message him and be like, "By the way, I called you out, bro." But there's <laughs> a guy. His name, the, the name that he has on social media is Adam Ali, um, and like, I mean, honestly, I've never seen him complain. I've never seen him like do anything negative. All I see him doing is putting out truly phenomenal content to help people so adam ali adam ali i don't really know how to pronounce it but like uh he's fantastic like and i I admire what he's doing from what i've seen so far awesome love that answer um well jordan listen thanks a lot man where can people go if they want to just follow you you know talk give us your instagram handle where you're at on facebook your website where can people kind of get more of your content yes so if you want to consume my content uh, very regularly, Instagram, 
at Syatt Fitness, S-Y-A-T-T Fitness.com, or just not .com for Instagram. Um, and then for Facebook, same thing, at Syatt Fitness. My website is SyattFitness.com. Um, and then I'm trying to think where could you – oh, and if, like, you want to um, get on my email list, uh, or I, I have a ton of email lists, but one of the major ones would be um, if you go to 101, like literally 101 metabolicworkouts.com. Uh, basically, I have a massive PDF manual with 101 of my best metabolic conditioning workouts that you can use with your clients or yourself or whatever. It's free. You give me your name and email. You get on my email list so I can bug you with tons and tons and tons of emails. If you like them, stay on. If you don't like them, unsubscribe. You still get 101 workouts for free. Awesome. Yeah, and make sure to follow Jordan on Facebook. I, le- I like those videos a lot, dude. Keep those coming. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Um, well, that is Jordan Syed, everybody. Uh, thanks again, Jordan. Really appreciate your time um, and continued success in all that you're doing. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me. All right. We'll see you later. Thanks, Jordan.